is this? What is this? Have you ever been served a meal and the meal was good, it was delicious, maybe you were company's house or you were uh, eating, someone was serving you the meal, and you eat this meal, it's delicious, it's very good, but you're not quite certain what it is you're eating. You're not 100% on it. I was in Columbia for a, a mission trip, preaching a conference one time, and they served a meal. And uh, it was being hosted in a woman's home. And uh, I was taught by my parents, if you're served a meal, you just, you eat it, right? You, you figure out some way to compliment the host by eating the meal. And so I ate the meal. And it was pretty good, but I had no idea what I was eating, none. And, you know, you ask... And then you regret asking, what is this? It's good. What is this? And um, maybe, maybe you can relate. You've had something and ask, and then maybe you regretted it, or maybe you were pleasantly surprised. But the question was put, what is it or what is this? God, in supplying for the children of Israel as they walked through the wilderness, he gave them what we read about as being manna. Manna was served for 40 years. That's what they ate, 40 years of manna. Exodus 16.35 says the children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now, Canaan land is the promised land. And in the wilderness wanderings for 40 years, they ate manna. Now, you may have read the story or come across the story of them in the wilderness and eating manna, eating quail, God supplying their needs. And you may not have thought too much about it. Or if you read the word manna, you may have thought that the word meant something simple like bread from heaven or bread or uh, whatever could have come into your mind, what is manna? But, you know, if you thought manna was just simply bread from heaven, then you would be mistaken. The word manna literally means, what is it? What is it? What am I eating? What is this? This bread from heaven that sustained the children of God for 40 years in the wilderness, no one could tell exactly what it is. As a matter of fact, when we refer to it as bread, we're just trying to put it in the terms that we can wrap our minds around because it was something completely and totally supplied by God. It was something that was not Normal. No one's reproducing manna, and now you can get manna cakes in your gas station when you stop at QT to get a snack that's not offered. So they literally came up with the name manna. What is it? What is this? What am I eating? And so over and over, manna would be talked about as what is it? Manna were these small, round, and white pieces of 
something very similar to bread. We use that term just to understand. Obviously, it was not bread, but bread is that closest description that we have. And whenever they would eat bread, the Bible says and describes it as being tasting like a honey wafer. And every day for 40 years, a person was to go out and they were to, every morning when the dew came, they went out and they collected this manna that had settled on the ground. And they would take and they would store up enough for that day. So can you imagine what, what it was like? I mean, that first time that someone went outside for that precious commodity that God was going to supply, that there was no food around, there were no natural resources, there was only going to be manna from heaven. And they walk out and they see this thing on the ground and they pick it up and somebody probably picked it up and looked at it and held it up and probably showed it to someone who was outside coming out of their tent about the same time and they said, well, what is this? What is it? They said the word manna. What is it? The other person said, I don't know what it is. They asked someone else, what is it? Could you imagine, I mean, the first time that they tried to get someone to taste it. Someone has to eat this and try this and taste this and see what this tastes like, but We don't even have anything, way to describe it. We don't know what this is. What is it? And finally, someone who has the courage, because there's always at least one person, thank the Lord, right, for those people that are willing to say, well, you know, try it, and they say, well, it tastes a little bit like chicken. I don't know how many meats there are in the world that taste like chicken, but there's a bunch of them. It tastes a lot like chicken. Somebody takes that manna, what is it, what is it? And people are standing around, they're watching, and they they pop that little round white ball into their mouth. They say, it tastes like a honey wafer. It's got the consistency of, of bread. But the name stuck. What is it? What is it? For 40 years, every day, they would go out, And they would pick up, what is it? And they had to collect a certain amount. They, If they got too much, at the end of the day, the next day it would spoil. It would rot. It would be no good. It was only enough for a day. Enough of what is it? If they got too little, which we really, really never talk about them getting too little, But if someone got too little of it, if they didn't pick up enough of it for their family, they risk not having enough energy for the journey that they would have to make in the wilderness for that day. If they got tired, if they got worn out, they could potentially be left behind. So for 40 years, God supplied what is it. And for 40 years, people picked up what is it. God never explains to them what it is. He never tells them what it's made like or made out of or they don't 
ever find out the amount of nutrients in it. No one's walking around saying, man, that what is it has got nine grams of protein. It's so good. They don't know. All that they know is what God told them to do with it and that if they did not do with it what he commanded them to do, then it would go wrong, it would spoil, it would be bad. There would not be enough. What is it? What's interesting to me is that God supplied. He more than supplied. I imagine that there was always an abundance of manna. There was always an abundance of what is it on the ground. And there was never anyone who was really lacking for what is it. God supplied. But what's interesting in the story of the manna is that even though God supplied, he still put it back on them a personal thing that they had to collect it. They had to be the ones to gather it up. They had to be the ones to pick it up off the ground. It was still on them to be sure that they got enough of it, that they didn't get too much of it, and that they picked it up from where it was supplied from. And so the person going out would go out and it'd be laying on the ground. What is it? And they'd take their pot or their satchel or whatever they would carry out with them and they would stoop over and they would pick up the what is it off the ground and they would put it in their pot. They were required to humble themselves before God. Because the act of stooping over and bending up and picking something up, it's the very act of humbling yourself before God. You see cultures and they do this thing with respect where they, they bow and they try, one of them gets lower than the other one and they're showing respect. And the, in the act of stooping over to pick up what God was supplying, they were humbling themselves. God would supply, but it was on them to be humble enough that they would stoop over and pick up what God was promising them every day. And I find that this is true in our life. God will supply to us. He's never lacked for supplying what we need. And he may not tell you how. He may not tell you what. He may not tell you what it is. He may not give you uh, exactly what you're thinking you need, but he will supply. And when God supplies, you only have a few choices to do with what God is supplying. You can ignore it, or you can stoop over, humble yourself, and pick it up. They had this choice. They had an option. The person who came out the tent in the morning and faced manna, and at some point we know that they began to murmur and complain. They were tired of the what is it that they found on the ground. The person who was faced with this, they had a choice. They could ignore it. They could pick it up. Those were the only two choices. Ignoring it meant that they would have to walk on top of the promises that God had given them. They would eventually have to move their tent and move from the land that they were on in that moment. And imagine them pecking up and somebody saying, you know, I just don't feel like eating what it, what is it today. And so they pack up their tent. And as they leave, 
They're having to walk over the thing God has supplied for them because they ignored it. Because they're still, what is it, on the ground. And I find that people do this with the promises of God. All they have to do is humble themselves, stoop over, pick it up. But some people choose to ignore it. Some people choose to focus on the question of what is it, or how is this, or how will that be, or what is God doing, or what is God going to do, instead of looking at what God is supplying and saying, you know, I'm not sure what it is, I'm not sure how it's coming, I don't really care right now, I need something for my life, and so I'm willing to humble myself to reach over, pick it up, and use it. I don't want to be so blind as to ignore God's promises for us. And you see, God is still doing what is it miracles today. He's never stopped being the God of what is it. Because there are just some things in life we don't understand. We can't comprehend. God does some things, and we cannot wrap our mind around them. Yes, we can try and theologically work them out, but God is still doing what is it miracles today. I'll show you an example. Ben, I'm skipping a ton of scriptures. In Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God is given out, To his followers, they begin to speak in tongues and the Spirit gives them the ability, the utterance. That's what Scripture says. And the onlookers who see what God is doing in that moment, they start to try and explain what is happening. They say these these people are drunk. And some just ask the question, what is this? What's happening here? What is this all about? We see in Acts chapter 2 and 12, it says they were all amazed and perplexed, saying one to another, whatever could this mean? They were asking the question, what is this? What is it? What is it that God is doing right now? What is happening? And Peter begins to tell them that this is the promise being fulfilled. He says this is the promise that was Uh, given by Joel, and he quotes what Joel said, that in the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. He says this is what God is doing. He's fulfilling His promises that He has given to us. And Acts chapter 2 and 32 says this Jesus, he begins to point to Jesus and says, this Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses being exalted to the right hand of God, having received the Spirit, the Father received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He poured out this, which you now see and hear. He says, what you're seeing, what you're hearing, that you don't understand, you can't comprehend what it is that is happening. This is the promises of God. And in a sense, what Peter is saying is he's saying, Quit asking the question of just what is this. Instead, start asking the question, how do I get this? Because in verse 37, they even ask the question, 
And they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we need to do? We see what this is, but what do we need to do with it? Peter said to them, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So consider, think about that for just a moment. When you think about the first time that some Israelites stepped out of their tent and God was fulfilling his promise that they would not go hungry in the wilderness. They see on the ground these white, round, small balls of, what is it? And they're questioning, what, what is this? Maybe even someone said, what do I do with this? Just like that, on the day of Pentecost, whenever the Spirit was poured out, people watching, they said, okay, what is this? What is it that is happening right now? And they start to ask, what do we do with this? God's doing something that's unexpected. He's doing something that's different, that we've never really expected before. What is it? What do we do with this? And Peter's response to them, much like probably someone's response that saw the first Israelite pick up, what is it, off the ground in Exodus. He said, well, receive it. It's your gift. God's supplying it for you. God's doing something for you. And so Peter's response is, you need to pick it up. God is pouring out what's happening right here, right now. You need to pick it up. Well, how do I pick it up? He says, you repent. It's as simple as just that. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you're going to receive this same gift. What's happening to them that you hear and see right now, this same thing will happen to you. Imagine that. First time God begins to pour out his promise, someone looks and they, they almost take a double take. Wait a minute. What's happening here? What is this? And Peter, he doesn't, he doesn't really ever answer the question. He doesn't say all of the things that we'll learn eventually in Scripture through the epistles and through the writings of the Bible. But instead, he just looks at them and he says, Jesus is doing this. He's promised this already, and now he's fulfilling it. And they say, well, what do we need to do? And he explains how to get it, how to pick it up. You know, God, I've learned, God will supply. He always supplies. And he supplied everything that we need. And this promise, this promise is the gift for all his people. He's no respecter of persons. It's for everyone today. It's for you. It's for me. It's for every person, regardless of where they come from, regardless of their background, regardless of what they've done. This is God's promise supply for his people. And just like manna, the what is it of the Old Testament, this is the what is it of the New Testament. 
It's always funny to me whenever I start talking to people about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. They start to say, well, you know, I don't quite understand. And, and it's one of those conversations where it's hard to say, well, uh, this is exactly what it is. Instead, I'm often left just saying, you know what? If you'll seek it, you'll receive it. And when you receive it, you'll know because it's an experience. Just like we can read in the Old Testament in Exodus how they picked up manna off the ground and they ate it and it was sweet, tastes like honey, like honey uh, comb. I think it's what scripture says, honey waffle comb or whatever. I always think of the old, yeah, the old uh, cereal. What was the cereal? It looked like honeycombs. There we go. I was, I was dancing all around it. And we, we can imagine what that was like, but we can't know. We're still left asking the question, what is it? What is it? And I want to talk to someone today, and I just want to tell you, if you've been wondering, you've heard me preach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you've been saying, well, I don't quite understand. I don't wrap my mind around that. I can't get what it is. I don't understand. I'm preaching you to you today. Don't ignore God's promises in your life. Don't walk over them. Don't keep walking in your journey in the wilderness, wandering around this chaotic world without stooping over, humbling yourself just a little bit and saying, God, I don't quite understand. I don't know exactly how, but I'm humbling myself and I'm saying, God, if you're supplying this, I want it in my life. I'm stooping over and I'm picking up and I'm saying, what is it? I I don't know. I don't understand, but I'm ready to eat what it is that you're supplying. I'm ready. If you'll stand with me. I found that there are three categories of people, spiritually speaking, in life. There are those people that are obvious. They're just simply not interested. They have no desire for the things of God. They're not seeking God. They're not looking for him to fulfill his promises in their life, they're just simply not interested. And then I find that there are those that are interested, but they're, they're really only looking for the immediate, the physical satisfaction. They're trying to escape uh, some struggle in life. They seek God only for relief to struggles, to suffering, to life. Now listen, don't misunderstand me. We can all seek God to relieve situations, and you should. You should pray and ask God. But there are people out there we know that they're only looking for relief, and as soon as that relief comes, they don't really have need for God until some struggle or suffering comes along again, and then they're looking again for God. And then the third category are those interested in Jesus and in God for the eternal things. Jesus said as much in John chapter 6, following the public miracle, feeding 5,000, the private miracle of walking on water. He had crossed over the sea, and people followed him, were looking for him, and they found him. And when they found him, 
Verse 24 of John 6, it says, When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. You saw what I was doing. You saw all of the same signs and miracle that everyone else saw. But you aren't looking for me, for me. You're looking for that physical satisfaction. The next verse is very interesting. He says, do not labor for the food which perishes but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son, Wyatt, can you please be quiet, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. He looks at them, he says, you're you're looking for another meal. He goes into this long discourse about being the bread of life. And I, I want you to read it sometime. And they say to him, their reply to him was that they said, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? They were asking the question, what do we do to earn this? What do we do to purchase this? And his response to them, they didn't notice that he used the word give. He said, I came to give. Son of man will give you everlasting life. Jesus answers them, verse 29, he says, This is the work of God that you believe in him who he sent. He said, the only work is to believe in the one who sent me to do a work. If you'll just believe, you can receive what I'm offering. And they ask him, well, what are you going to do to prove that we should believe you? It wasn't enough that they saw the feeding of 5,000. It wasn't enough that he just walked across water. It wasn't enough that they'd seen these signs. He said in verse 31, Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They said, we followed Moses because Moses gave bread from heaven to eat. Moses did a sign. And Jesus understood what they were asking because in verse 32, he answers them. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He said, "We, our fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they followed because Moses was supplying something. He was supplying what is it? Jesus says, no, 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 no. He didn't supply that. God supplied that. God was supplying what is it? And he goes on to talk about those who believe in him will receive everlasting life. 
And you know what's interesting? Through his whole conversation, there are people who are rejecting exactly what he was saying. They could not believe him. And he even pointed out and said, you don't believe me. And then whenever they get away, Scripture tells us that the Jews argued over what he said, that many people took his hard saying and they left him. And the third thing it says is even the disciples questioned him and said, this is a hard saying. Who can receive it? And then they begin to complain about it. Well, in verse 61, Jesus knew what his disciples were complaining about, and he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. He says it's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. I want to tell someone today, Jesus is still the bread of life. And he's still giving out the spirit that gives life. He's still fulfilling the promises that he made. He's still doing the work. You may look at it and say, what is it? You may look at it and say, I don't understand. You may look at it and not comprehend. But if you'll just humble yourself. If you'll just ask him, he will give, he will supply, he will do that same work that he did in Acts chapter 2 whenever they heard them speak with other tongues and they saw what God was doing. And they said, what is happening here? God wants to do that for every one of us. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. No one looking around. I just want to ask you a very simple question. It's between you and God. Because look, I I want you to get the promises that Scripture has for you. I want you to receive the what is it that God plans for your life. If you're here and you've not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues, and you want to, you want to, I want to invite you just to lift your hand. Just say, God, I want that promise in my life. I want it fulfilled for me. I know those are there are those of us here we've experienced and we have loved ones, we have family and friends that have not, and we want it for them. I wonder if you would lift your hand and say, you know what, I have family, I have friends, I have someone that... They may not understand right now. They may not comprehend. I I don't really have the full ability to tell them what it is, but I keep trying to tell them, just pick it up and eat it, try it. It's going to help you in your journey. Why don't we begin to pray for those right now? 